And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. Three ah! are United States Astro Robots. They come a creature of death. Oh. And they. We have come here to this planet for. One purpose only, to acquire breeding stuff to repopulate our planet. Welcome to Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast, from classic cults and all the cheese in between. The movies are beef, the entertainment is grade A, and I am your host, Mr. Jason Jacknetti, and I'm joined once again by my dad, Mr. Al Jacknetti. Hey, Jay, how's it going? I guess uh, today we've got Friday the 13th, part two? Yep. Okay. And we'll get to it right after this. Should Friday the 13th, 1981, be any different? Friday the 13th, part two. The body count continues. 14. All doomed. You're all doomed. 15. God. Sixteen. Seventeen. Eighteen. Nineteen. Thirteenth Part Two was released May first, nineteen eighty-one, with an eighty-seven-minute running time. Your director is Steve Miner, and he's also your producer. Now, Steve Miner—that name people know uh, now—but back then, Steve Miner was considered to be the kid uh, on the thing. Steve Miner went on to do Friday Thirteenth Two, Three, House, Warlock, Halloween H Two O, Lake Placid, The Day of the Dead remake. He worked on The Wonder Years, Dawson Creek, Smallville. Hmm. Um, Steve Miner was the kid on the set to Sean S. Cunningham. Sean S. Cunningham, of course. Uh, was the director of the first one. And Sean S. Cunningham was, of course, involved, and Steve Miner were involved in Last House on the Left and things like that with uh, Wes Craven. So the horror, uh, um, everyone's film has got to start somewhere. And that's where, this is where Steve oh. Miner got his first chance to okay. direct. Um, 
And your, your writer here is uh, Ron uh, Kurtz. Now, Ron Kurtz is actually uncredited on uh, Friday One. Um, he, he didn't really think he wanted his name on this uh, uh, piece of garbage he thought it was going to be. And he's like, well, we made a lot of money. I better get on the next one. So he did. Um, your, uh, it's again, it's based on Victoria, uh, Victor Miller's characters uh, from the previous. Now, um, Adrian King, who is from Part One, comes back here for a little bit here. But Amy Steele is your main star of this whole uh, thing. Now, Harry uh, Manfredini, of course, is your music. Um, his music has become so synonymous with the Friday the 13th movies uh, that literally I don't think you could have movies on Friday the 13th without his music in them. Uh, your editor was Susan E. Cunningham, Sean's wife. Uh, and then it was Georgetown Production, which is uh, which is Sean Cunningham's company. Paramount Distributed. Now, um, the movie itself had a budget of $1.25 million. That's so 1981 money. Its box that's office a lot, that's a lot is $21.7 million. It made $21 million. Oh. It turned a $20 million profit. That is why these movies exist. Yeah. The one thing you can say about all the Friday the 13th movies is they all earn a profit. That is why they exist. So uh, originally Friday the 13th Part 2 was intended to be an anthology film based on Friday the 13th suspicions. But that didn't work so well because the end of Friday the 13th, when Jason jumps out of the lake, whether it's a dream or whether you believe he's really alive still, and there's some differing opinions on whether he should be alive or not because people believe he should be dead. That was so popular, and that made Friday the 13th such a runaway smash hit that they said, we got to bring him back. So Tom Savini was offered the special effects. He said, no, because Jason's dead. He goes, there is no Jason. He goes, no, no, we're going to wreck on that. He goes, no, I'm good. So he went and made a movie called The Burning. If you've never seen The Burning, go watch it. It's amazing. And the special effects there are dis disturbing beyond belief. Uh, so what happens is, obviously, um, you're going to talk about, you know, the idea that Friday the 13th Part 2, it didn't make a whole lot of sense because Betsy Palmer is quite dead at the end of the first one. I mean, Betsy Palmer's not dead, but I'm saying Betsy Palmer's right. character is quite dead. Um, her head was cut off. And the logistics of bringing her back, they didn't make any sense. But people connected with the idea of Jason, the, the little boy in the lake. And what they wound up doing was they said, well, we're going to retcon all this. And he's been alive the whole time. And he's been living on the land and doing all this stuff. And people were like, I don't know if it's going to work. Um, we're now uh, four there, and I will guarantee you no one is doubting whether the Jason idea worked because many people misremember that Jason, they think Jason is the killer in part one when it's Mrs. Voorhees the entire time. And literally, Jason Voorhees is uh, iconic. People know who Jason Voorhees is, even if they've never seen a Friday the 13th movie. They know what the hockey mask is. They know the machete. They know all of it, just like Freddy Krueger, just like Michael Myers, etc. So. Our story opens two months after the murders at the Camp Crystal Lake as your sole survivor, Alice, is recovering from her trauma. So in her apartment, uh, she's her mom's pestering her uh, about whatever. She, and she's kind of obviously dealing with whatever's going on. She opens the refrigerator to get her cat some food. And what's in the fridge? But the severed head of Pamela Voorhees, because that's how we open this film. And then she takes an ice pick right through the temple from an unknown assassin. Now, well, okay. uh, no, no, I, I we think, don't know it's I, him yet. No, but I think you've gone a little too far. No. No, but no, the movie, I was I was skeptical. I mean, I liked the first one after I watched it. I, I didn't want to watch it, but we. But I liked it after we watched it, especially with Savini's special okay. effects. So they did a recap of, they basically yes. re-showed you the highlights of part of No, exactly, but that works. That's very effective. Okay. Because anybody who didn't see the first one it's got to have some kind of continuity. Why is she, is it in her head or okay. whatever? No one, no one is going to see part two without seeing part one. Well, no, no. I'm just saying part one, people saw part one. People okay, People went to the theaters to see part one and then went back over and over and over right. again. Yeah. Right. So everyone had seen part one. They started filming this literally four months after the part one wrapped. They started filming this movie. They, part one hit, it became an insane hit. They couldn't fill it fast enough. No, I mean, from my point, I mean, I'm watching the movie uh, from a critical point of view. I mean, I know I'm hoping to enjoy it, which, which in, in fact I did. But using the same actress uh, to, to, to expound on, you know, the memories, it, it's all in her head. Is it? Is it not? And, and her, her, at this point, her anxiety when she hears a noise, she goes and locks the door. And then 
she hears something outside. She goes to the window, and obviously, it, the, this, the, the jump scare is having the cat jump through the yeah, window. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, you knew that's that, an old dark house. It, but you had to have the cat jump through the window. Right. And uh, but I thought that was that was pretty good. My my initial question was, I didn't know it was two months later, and so yeah. I, I said to myself, I said, when, but then when the story gets going, I, and and they. They, they, the kids are coming back to Crystal Lake, but not at the at the Crystal Lake camp, but at the at the uh, Pakenak Lodge. Right. Uh, I, I want to know what you know. How long ago did this happen? And then they tell you. So they kept the stories. Yes. Five years later, and then they get into the um, you know what I what I really they show you the guy with the bike, the old guy with the bike again. So you're back at the same place, the same yeah. town, and. So it to me the opening the opening worked and then I I said okay let me get into the story yeah so of course the, the whole idea is they shot this right after they were finished so um they, they I mean again uh Adriana Adrian King is only in the movie for a few minutes to do her part and then she's uh, quickly dispatched in the opening so she wasn't around the rest of the movie but the, that's that's the other question is that that's not Jason yes he's 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 left okay he's so left. here's the whole thing that's what the, the, there is. Okay, so with all of the tropes and 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 uh, stereotypes that exist for slasher movies, did not exist yet because these were establishing them. So Jason Voorhees as the masked, uh, you know, no, the yeah. that doesn't exist yet. No, no, None no. None of these things do. To so me, we, when when I saw this, and then and then then they they you know they say that that she died of unexpected things. My take was that it wasn't Jason who killed her. She died of her own. I don't want to say because she was going mentally crazy. She could have committed suicide, okay. but they had to show a horrific, you know. Well, yeah, of course, picking, picking the head in the right. Okay, so so unlike unlike Maniac, where Tom Savini did special effects, and unlike Prowler, where he did special effects, where everything's like a gunshot or a right. stab or a basic. Friday the Thirteenth, after the first one, after Savini had stepped the bar up so high with like his kills and stuff in there, every kill has to be better than the last kill. And that is literally where slasher movies come from. Yeah. It's about one-upping your kills. And when you get later in the series with Zombie Jason and the whole nine, where it's literally one-upping every kill you can do to the point where that's why those movies are so great. Not because it's like great acting or great whatever. It's because, let me see what he's going to do. Oh, he's going to wrap that person around a tree or whatever. Like, this movie is the beginning of that. We are. It's implied that it's Jason Voorhees obviously killing her right. in the beginning, right? We don't know it's Jason but you kind of know it's Jason, unless it's someone who is stalking her and killing her. But that's a different movie. Right. That's not the movie but we're again, telling. The, you. the nice part about this is that you can. I, my interpretation is that she she committed suicide. Well, she, she couldn't live with the with the memories. I don't. I mean, I mean, they, they, they show be, you, but but it can't be Jason. It because, can no, but he doesn't leave Crystal Lake. Yes, he does. That's the whole point. We don't have rules yet about oh, things. Well. That's he brought his mother's head with him. Because she killed his mother, so he's now killing her. And so that's why the head is in the movie. The head is so important in this I, movie, I know, it's unbelievable. Know, yeah. Anyway, so now five years later. Now, this, this, is, this is where people have a hard time with some of them things. It's five years later. So if that takes place in 1980, this should be 1985. But it's clearly not 1985. It's clearly 1981, right? Because 1985 looks totally different than this if you were looking at what's right. happening, right? But your years are not really that important in the Friday the 13th movie, how long things take to get there. So five years later, Paul Holt uh, opens a school, um, excuse me, opens um, a school for camp counselors on the shore of Crystal Lake. Of course, not exactly down, it's down the road. Uh, the camp is attended by uh, Sandra and her boyfriend, Jeff, Scott, Terry, Mark, Vicky, Ted, and Paul's assistant, Ginny. Now, Ginny is, um, Amy, is Amy Steele. Amy Steele is the uh, main person from this movie. Uh, that goes on to become you know, one of the final girls, uh, as well as other trainees around the campfire that night. Uh, so, okay, so they all get there and they're, you know, it's, it, this is why people um, love slasher movies. None of these characters are super endearing. I mean, they're not absolute jerks, like they would eventually make them in absolute intolerable people, but they're kind of just like idiots, like they're kids. And you're like, okay, they're just nameless fodder. And you kind of get to know some of them a little bit and whatever, but that's yeah. what they're there for. They're yeah. there to be body count. Right. right. But what I like is the two, the first two that you mentioned that they arrived yeah. in town yeah. in, in the in the in the pickup, not the pickup truck. Yeah, yeah. that's oh, pick a pickup truck. Yeah. And now they they got to go call to get them. 
in the background, you see yeah. somebody putting them up on the toe. Yeah. And you're saying to yourself, can't you see? For, look at that. They're taking your car. And that's, and, and that's a really good prank. Yeah. And so that was a nice, a nice little bit of, of movie making there. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing. Is that it's, but it's all that kind of thing. So it's 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 to take you off, it's to take you right. out of the story. You're yeah. not supposed to be thinking about the murder. There's nothing about what what's going on. Right. So um, around the campfire that night, Paul tells the counselor the legend of Jason Voorhees, a boy who drowned in Camp Crystal Lake in 1957, and then his um, the next year in 1958, his mother then goes on a killing spree, and then in 1979. So this is supposed to be now two dot. This is supposed to be 1984, even though one takes place in 80 and another takes place in 81. Um, she herself was murdered, and of course they, um, they, you know, they, they talk all about all these things going on here, and it's just a scary buddy, right? That was pretty good, though. Yeah, and yeah. The Jason theory expounded. I mean, that again, it's it's exposition, and for someone who had not seen the first one, because a lot of people don't go to the movies uh, to see a certain movie. Then word of mouth comes back. Oh, it was great, but yeah. now it's not in the movies anymore. So the next one comes out. So you got to go see it. Yeah, right. Well, okay. I understand, but I'm saying, but the, this was there wasn't a whole. I mean, once Friday the Thirteenth happened, people kind of knew what was going on. Uh, so according to the legend, now that now the legend, because the original legend wasn't this, Jason survived and was near Crystal Lake, and then he saw his mother get killed, which is now um, he, he's next, which has now caused him to become. So he was supposedly drowned as a little boy. He lived by the side of the lake forever, but no one saw this child and, you know, this uh, deformed child living there and now saw his mother get killed. And now he's out to kill people who killed his mother. Right. And that's really all you ever have to know about Jason Voorhees ends at the end of that scene. Yeah. But again, if, if, if nobody goes back to Crystal Lake to fish, hunt or do whatever they want to do, he ain't killing anybody. Okay, I'm just saying is you have that's all you need to know because Jason is a is a child in 1957 yes, that I, jumps out of the lake at the end of, of number one is considered by many to be a dream sequence. Okay. It's not real, but, but it is real, real. But he can't be a little kid; he's a grown adult. Right. Like, so there's all these these. This is why this is why people who hate these movies, critics especially, rip these movies apart. Like, there's no continuity. There's no this. I'm not going for Citizen Kane. I'm going for literally the the jump scare at the end when he jumps out of the lake. People come out of the out of their out seats, of seats because it rips off Carrie. That's all it's doing. Exactly. But when you watch that scene, he doesn't look like a little boy. He looks like he's no, he's he, a, he, he's not seven years old. Or Ari, it's Ari Lehman. He's he's twelve years old in that scene. It's a little bit. It was supposed to be Noel Cunningham. It's supposed to be Sean Cunningham's son. Doing the scene, his mom said, "You are never getting in a lake for four straight hours. You'll you'll die." So they had Ari Lehman, who was in one of Sean Cunningham's other movies, right. came but out. It, he was when, a kid. But it, when you see that scene, it comes up so quickly. He could be a teenager. Nah, he's not though. And you, you, well, you, well, you can tell, but he's certainly not a grown man. No, no, no. no like no, five no. years later, he's he's huge, right? That's the whole point. So, but this is this well, is what a, okay. You, you think about the in Halloween, the little boy. It, when he's 17 years old, 18 years old, right? It, and he's killed his, his, his sister, no, he's, right? He's, he's, he's like five years old. But they send him away. Yes. And then for 16. So he's 20. He's 20. He's as big as a house. Right. But he's but he's 20. Yes. No, I realize. But it wasn't no, no, like no, no, he was no, no, five no. and then two years later he's 20. But, but give yeah. me give me, give me me a little little <laughs> lead right here. But five years after after that, he could be. Uh, you know, he could he could have grown. He could have had a growth spurt. I, you, I mean, you know, you don't see this hulking thing. Well, as a matter of fact, in the movie, what do you see? All you see for most of the movie is from knees to his, I to his shoes. Yes, I understand. And they did that on purpose. But the thing is, he's um, okay. So there is there is different worlds of Jason Voorhees. This is Sackhead Jason. This is inbred Hick Jason Voorhees. Right. We would later get, uh, you know, kind of like you know lumped up killer right. and then eventually you get the actual best Jason Voorhees which is zombie Jason Voorhees where he's an unstoppable killing machine right this inbred hick Jason Voorhees is and and and, and that, that's basically what we've been referred to it's always called sackhead that's because he has a sack right. in his head right this is the the idea that he's just some on a kind of backwoods inbred kind of thing it's very much playing on the ideas that would be like wrong turn and things right. like that later on right hills have eyes and stuff like that that's what they were going for. They were trying to do, because Hills of Eyes is 77. 
they're trying to kind of take that idea of like he's not a cannibal, but he's eating everything he can find and right. doing whatever. That's what he, he's kind of just a mindless. He's not intelligent at all. Right. And he's not smart. He's just kind of doing his thing here. But that's what they were going for because they didn't really have they had no idea of three, four, five. Six. Oh, they right. had no, but they had no idea of those things. But once this movie hits, then they're like, we have to keep making these. Sure. Because there's no stop, there's no chance to stop. Anyway, so but, but let's keep going with this movie. Okay. It, so we go. So he kills anyone who he, okay, so he's gonna kill anyone. So Paul finishes the story. And the guy jumps out with a spear that's Ted wearing a mask. Okay, so Paul reassures everyone that Jason is dead and that Crystal Lake is now condemned and off limits. Right. Because we have to make sure we tell them it's condemned and off limits so that when you go there, you now know it is. So that night, uh, Crazy Ralph wanders onto the property. Um, and Crazy Ralph is, of course, from the first one. Mm-hmm. And it ties it together well. And, of course, he gets killed with a garrote across a tree right. with barbed as wire. He, as he's peeping. As he's a peeping Tom. But, he, you know, but no one in this movie is saying they're – Amy Steele might, might, might be the – she's probably the only character. Ginny's the only character who's redeeming in the whole movie. There's not a whole lot of good people in this movie. No, no. As a matter of fact, you know? when you when you look at it, I wrote to you, it's all the teenagers in the movie, and also including the counselor, the head guy, yeah. and, the, and, the, and his girlfriend, they were all pretty and handsome, except one. Yeah. The, his assistant. Well, yeah. That's, the, the that's, uh, yeah, that's Paul. Well, well the girl. Paul. Yeah. The, the Paul. Not Paul. Excuse me. Uh, that's Ted. Ted Paul Ted. Is that. Ted's the, Paul's the guy running the thing, Ted. But that's his, like his best friend. That's right. why. But that's the whole thing. I mean, everybody, every one of them are, are all of them are pretty. The the, the guys are all in uh, great shape. The girls shape. are all in great shape. People are going to get naked oh, real quick. And the other thing, did you notice that all the guy, the, the long hair? Yeah, well, time, it's like, it. yeah. I mean, because it's late 70s, I, early I've got a picture. You're three years old. Right? Yeah, so yeah, that, yeah. So that's, that, that's late 70s. My hair is down on my shoulders. Yeah, well. Which is, which is something that I never thought I'd ever have. Right. But that was the stop. But it had a part. Yeah, because I had to go to work at IBM. So, um, so Crazy Ralph is killed with a garrote from behind a tree by an unseen killer. Which you know, the next day, Jeff and Sandra, which are the two that uh, had, you know just gotten there and got their car towed, they sneak off to uh, Crystal Lake and they find the carcass of a dog and they're caught by Deputy Winslow and return to the camp. Right. So this scene, because you're expecting them to, oh no, they come upon you know, and you're expecting it to be Jason. It's the deputy. Right. It's the it's the classic misdirect. That, uh, Every one of these movies has misdirects and red herrings and jump scares, and that's what they're there for. Well, yeah, because they're there to kind of like it's old, it's it's old dark house stuff. Yeah, well, the thing with one of the misdirects is they find the dog. They're, one of the one of the counselors brings it brings a dog with her, a dog yeah. with them, and then they they find this dog all mangled. They couldn't figure out what kind of dog it was. Right. So after Winslow drops them off and then gives uh, Paul a stern talking to about he needs to be on top of his kids and all this stuff. Literally every every sheriff says this to everybody in every movie. Right. right? Winslow spots a, uh, a masked man wearing a burlap sack running across the road. So That's quick. Yeah, it's real quick. Okay, but did you notice what he looks like when he goes across? Remember the town that dreaded sundown, which is based on the real killers and stuff, like that, and they wore those sacks and stuff like that. It was down the south. That's what I think they were going for. That's kind of like – because it's there's no dis- – I mean, it's really hard to keep a burlap sack with an eye hole in where you can see. He only got one eye hole, too. It's not like he's got, like, you know, right. a masked mask on. So he chases after him, and that's where we then learn um, you chase him in the woods and we find the shack, right? And then what happens, of course, now he's going through the shack and comes up behind him. The killer comes behind him and slams a hammer into the back of his skull and kills him. Again, another different kill than we've seen before. Remember, Mrs. Voorhees kills with a knife. She's slitting people's right. throats. She's doing whatever. He's now killed with a garrote of barbed wire. He's now slammed right. a Hammer in the back of his head. It's got to be step the bar up, right? Well, in this one here, the the cop, I mean, he's been, he said he's been, he's been the uh, policeman there for years and years and years. And he's, and he's always had to warn everybody about the Crystal Lake. Yeah. Right. He chases the guy. First of all, if you look at him, he's, he's overweight. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he's running through the woods at a breakneck. Now this, this is, he runs maybe 50 feet. They stop, they switch the camera and then he goes to another spot. By the time he gets to the uh, to the shack, he should be yes. exhausted, but he's not. But the the point that I liked about this was, you mean to tell me you've had a guy living in the woods all these years? He was able to build a shack. You go inside, and there's, I mean, he's got there's, there's a cruddy, I mean, a cruddy bathroom, but it's got shelving, it's got food, but it's it's got the uh, you know all but, kinds of stuff in it, and you didn't know that that was there. 
you know, after all these years, right. especially after the killings, that they, there wasn't a manhunt that went through the woods completely. Well, the thing is that, and this is where people again, you find in what are the the yeah. plot holes. The pl- but the problem is the plot holes don't matter. Right, you're as, long not, as, as long as you're, the guy you're, dies. As long as the guy's getting killed, yeah. no one cares about those holes. And that's why this series of movies, because there are people who who absolutely who are huge, huge horror fans, who go to conventions, whatever, and hate the Friday the 13th movie. But they love the Halloween movies, and I'm like, there are holes in Halloween I could drive a Mack truck through, sure. right? Yeah. Not the original, but like some of the sequels and stuff. And there's holes in the Friday, in the Nightmare on Elm Streets, and there's whatever. But those movies exist for a different reason. So... Uh, back at the camp, Paul offers everyone one last night in the town before the training began. Um, but of course, Jeff and Sandra are volunteered to stay behind because they were in trouble, right. um, which is, I, you know, uh, and so, um, they're off to the book. So at the bar, Ginny muses that if Jason were still alive, he'd witness his mother's death. It may have left him with no distinction between life or death or right or wrong. And this is where I think they're trying to be, they're trying to establish the mythos or not the mythos, but like who Jason is and why he's doing what he's doing. And I think that's the important part. That's Amy's whole role here is to basically be the voice. She's supposed to be the, I mean, not to be the mother, but she's to be the mother of this whole thing. Yeah, that's well, what she, that's her job. Yeah. Right. Um, and then Paul, of course, dismisses this, claims that Jason's nothing but an urban legend. Meanwhile, back at the camp, right. Um, the assailant appears at the camp. I mean, and he starts killing the counselors one by one. Right. Yeah. So, the kills here and the kills that occur in this movie, there's a movie called Twitch of the Death Nerve, a.k.a. Bay of Blood by Mario Baba, that these these kills rip off almost identically exactly the same. Really? Oh, yes. And people have been up in arms. How dare they do this? And they swore. We didn't know. We didn't know. They did know. They came out right. later, including when he stabs him with the, the spear oh. and, the, and the, the, the thing down. The, all of those kills exist in a movie that when you watch – Bay of Blood or Twist of the Death Nerve or whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't like that movie. It's not good because there's almost no story really. Like, you have people you don't like, it's an, it's an Italian... Yeah, you want everybody to die. Right. And in this movie, you kind of connect more with them because they're American teenagers and it's made for teenagers. This movie was not made for adults. The movie was made for teenagers. So they connect with them. So the, and those kids don't know about Twits of the Death Nerve, 1977. They, they don't know about that stuff. They're watching the theater. They're just hoping to get, you know, yeah. uh, in the theater, uh, whatever. I mean, the kills here, the kills here was the, you knew that uh, when, when, when Jason goes up and he grabs the spear, takes, he takes the, the rubber mask off, you know that he's going to impale both of them. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was obvious. It wasn't like he was just going to stick one and then the other one was going to run away. Right. So, but, uh, it was, but it was not, it had Savini done this. Oh yeah, it would because it it's almost like it's almost, you're almost disappointed uh, with that kill because you know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's then not you don't, bad. Though, no, man. but you don't see anything. All you see is the is the spear. Oh no 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 no! You don't see anything because the MPAA cut this oh. thing to ribbons. Right, but if it had been Savini, you would have seen something of with blood spurting or whatever. Here, all you wind up seeing is the spear goes hit, through go, it. and it's going into through the bed into the floor. And the blood comes down, which is exactly what it is in Twits of the Death Nerve. Yeah. Ripped it off. Well, what I'm saying is, okay, so at some point, you got to rewatch The Burning, which is the movie he made, inst- Savini made instead of this. Okay. Right? We watch The Burning, and you'd be like, oh my God, that, that's when he like, custodies fingers apart. Like, that movie is intense. It's literally the movie he made. Instead of making this, he said, I'll make the burning instead of this. And he made the burning, which has got his effects in it. Again, so uh, Scott has his uh, throat slit with a machete um, while he's he's caught in the rope trap. So the girl goes skinny dipping. Of course, she's got to get naked. Well, but that's what these movies need, Dad. You got to have the little naked. So she's in there and he gets his throat slit um, when he gets caught in the the trap. Um, Terry is killed off screen uh, upon finding Scott's dead body. But she comes back and she's murdered off screen. That murder occurs off screen. Um, I don't, I think that was supposed to happen, but they either ran out of uh, time or the MPA cut something and it, yeah. did, it, did, it might not have looked good. I think it might yeah. have been one of the things. I got one question. I got this is the, is the, the bear trap or that, that road trap, is that a Jason uh, thing or is that uh, something that they did because they, they wanted, they would catch a bear? No idea. Yeah. They have never said what it was supposed to be, but. The thing is, Jason Voorhees doesn't use traps right. later yeah. on, but in this movie, he does a lot of things. Jason Voorhees does things in this movie that he doesn't do in other movies because this is sackhead Jason and we haven't already right. established who he is. Um, so 
Uh, where yeah, are we here? See, I thought maybe that, that that was there for the. Well, he said it, not, not so much for the for the teenagers, but like to catch an animal. So well, they he said that Paul and these things like, or or he set the trap. Like the the remake of Friday Thirteenth, the one that came out in the in the two thousands, when which is totally a diff, totally different movie. Jason sets traps. Jason does things. He does these things. He's a killer who lives in this underground thing, and it's a whole big different thing. That one I totally would believe. This, I don't know if it's a trap he set or Paul set the trap to try to like teach them about like the different things they're supposed oh, to learn in the oh, wilderness. Okay. It's so open-ended because no one cared enough to tell you because it doesn't matter. Yeah. Is he hanging upside down? Yes. yes. Does he get his throat cut? Yes. yes. Move on, you know, kind of thing, right? And of course, um, where are we? Uh, uh, that's what Mark has a machete slammed into his face and he, he's in a wheelchair and he goes down the, the steps, steps in the wheelchair. That scene is so iconic. But it's, again, lifted from other things. And that is important because people are like, you can't kill a guy in a wheelchair. Oh, yes, we can. Oh, yes, we can. We can slam a machete in his face and put him down the stairs. And, of course, going down all the stairs. It, it in, in a Mel Brooks movie, that's funny. Right. right? In, in uh, uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Mm. Oh, no. Mm. And he, like, pretends to fall down the stairs. And you laugh even though they're scamming that woman, right? You know, because you fall down the stairs and he's trying to, like, I'm going to crawl to the ocean and drown myself, right? When, when he, uh, um, um, Steve Martin Come pretends on. to be, you know, paralyzed. Right. And that's when he's whipping his legs and stuff like that, right? So uh, he goes down the stairs. Then the killer goes upstairs and impales Jeff and Sandra with the spear while they're having sex. Now, the whole point of that is she reacts to it. He doesn't even know. She has the, the O-face reaction. It goes through them. That is, again, lifted right from to the death nerve. That kill has been done different places by different people riffing on that same thing. That kill is when you later in the series, they will riff that kill again with Jason. And it'll make perfect sense when they riff it because then it's not to go through both of them. Now he rips someone clean in half. And you're like, oh, my God. Then he's now he's beating the heck out of you with your like, someone else's limb. Like it's the craziness of the scene. Yeah. And. The, where are we so and then uh, then he stabs Vicky with the kitchen knife, right? So he's now laid to waste. Everyone who's at the camp. Yeah, the rest of them that are having drinks. Yeah, they're all drunk and well, doing whatever. They yeah. actually said the one the one thing that that uh, I guess because they didn't want to do that many more kills, they didn't have the money. They at the bar, uh, the, uh, the yeah, one, Ginny and Paul return, leaving yeah, but, Paul behind. But them. Are there any other? Some, they they lean over to the older couple and they say, "Are there any other all night?" Uh, uh, establishments yeah, yeah, and the yeah. guy says, "Oh, sure, there's a bunch of them." Yeah. So now the ones who didn't go back to the camp, right, are going to party for the rest right, of the night. Right. So that's when Ginny and Paul leave. Uh, they leave Ted behind at the bar to find a place. So they come back, and obviously the whole now now you've come back to a bloodbath. You've come back to six teenagers slaughtered all over your campgrounds, right? Um, and so in the dark, the killer ambushes Paul and uh, now it's implied that Paul is killed, but we never see Paul get killed or anything. So it's just implied. But a lot of people said, well, he's dead, right? Because at, at this point, it's just as a, was this a body count movie. And now the body count movies, which, again, some people hate. Some people like their movies, like the killer movie, two, three people die most. This is now body count. This is now how do I make this thing amp up? Well, now he's chasing Ginny, right? Um, and he's throughout the camp into the woods. She comes, she comes across the shack. And she barricades herself in, and she finds at the, the, the Pamela Voorhees' oh, head yeah. altar. That scene, people lost their minds. They're like, oh, my God, it's Jason the whole time. Because people weren't always as smart in 1981 as they are <laughs> kind of now, right? Where the, like, it's literally going to be that guy. They're like, oh, my God, it's Jason. And they've, they've told you it's Jason. They told you from the start it's Jason. They never kind of said, oh, it might be this guy Steve over here. No, it's Jason. And you're like, of course it is. And when you get that point, that reveal is like, of course it's Jason Voorhees right now. And of course he's killing people. Now everything else makes sense. And you forget all those logic holes that don't make any sense. And how can this happen? And how is it this many years later? And how did this get there? And why is this happening? Right? And who, who in their right mind thought that those shorts were a good idea or whatever, you know, can I think is some of those shorts in the movie are really short um, on the boys. Um, so this is where she puts on Pamela's sweater and tries to psychologically convince Jason that she's her mother. That scene has been stolen by so many different people. They stole it over and over and over again. Not, not in this series. All different series. The idea of tricking the killer. The idea of doing these things. Like They even try some of that stuff in, in the wrong turn movies. Like 
to try to trick them to believing yeah. that they're that, like, you know, to kind of fool them because now he's not a psychotic killer. He's not Norman Bates. He's not, you know, he's not whatever. He's now kind of slow. He's supposed to be dim. Be the, you know, the, 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 the redneck inbred kind of thing, right? So she puts on the sweater and of course now she's starting to convince him and he's kind of starting to believe it. But he sees as she moves the head and he comes to and that's when you get where, where he brings, uh, she has the machete and he has what the... Um, the, uh, the the axe or whatever oh, no the um tells you have the pickaxe in his pickaxe. hand pickaxe in his hand and now we get that you know where there's now a fight um and of course Paul magically is you know he's never he 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 now returns and he tries to save Ginny but what happens he's useless Paul is so useless in this movie right I mean the only people more useless than him are the people at the bar drunk oh, right he gets incapacitated. Right, which is when uh, Jason picks up the the pickaxe to kill him, and Ginny slams the machete right through his shoulder. Right now, eventually that wouldn't bother Jason in the least, but redneck, you know, uh, sack on head Jason, that's gonna hurt because now it's going through your shoulder, right? Um, and then he falls over and dies. This would again be played up later in later films with machetes appearing to kill him, but not so much. Now that Paul and Ginny, uh, now. This is, this is what gets me. And, and, and again, I'm willing to buy so much in this movie. At this point, if I slammed a, a machete into the guy, now this guy is now murdered, six people we know of, right? right? I am 100%. So, okay. Remember Jeepers Creepers? Yes. They're never dead. And she backs over them and runs them over again and right. backs over them and runs over again and backs over. And you're like, okay, why is she doing that? This is when you pick up the pickaxe and you plunge it into his skull. This is when you do... This is this is the end of Scream. The killer always comes back for one last gasp, and what if Chrissy Sydney shoots him square in the face? So he's dead. dead. Right? This is where you do this. But in 1981, when no one has seen these kind of things, no one does this. There is literally an entire generation that, at my age, that if God forbid you had a, you would just keep killing somebody. They, the cops would pull you off. No, no, that guy's coming back. I've seen too many movies. Every movie they're going to come back. Right? The killer always comes back for one last gasp. But we don't have that yet because you're establishing this. Right. So they go back to the cabin um, and they, they hear something outside. They think it's Jason. They open the door and there's Terry's dog, Muffin. Right. right? Now, Muffin, who we, that's the other red herring, we think has been slaughtered. But no, Muffin's just been walking around camp the whole time going, what's going on over there? Right. Mm. So, of course, now the whole thing was the end of Friday the 13th with Jason jumping out of the lake. It needed something. They said it has to have the definitive scare at the end. And when he bursts through the window, he magically floats in the air because he's on a, uh, he's actually on a dolly and he's like, right. that he pushed through yeah. the window, whatever. I mean, you can kind of tell when you watch it that like, okay, he can't hang in the air. But that scene, people jumped. Now, how do they not know it's coming? Right. Right. You have to know something's happening. There's a giant window behind her. As soon as he comes through the window, people literally leapt up out of their seats, screaming, yelling, Get out of there, girl. Like, people went nuts. That's what they wanted. That alone, whatever else you might have thought of with the movie, that alone sold so many more tickets. People are like, you got to see it. The end is nuts. But what happens? He comes through the window. He grabs her. Paul is ineffective, as always, because that is Paul's M.O. And then it fades to white. It does the white fade out, which is a very uh, Italian thing to do, right? Well, they used to fade to red because it's yellow, right? So you fade to uh, yellow. Right? And then come, and then, where's Paul? What's happening? And they're taking her away in the ambulance. That's it. We don't ever get what happens. Is Jason dead? Is it in her head? Is she? Is Paul really dead? Like, they leave it so open. And people, oh my God, it was sick. You gotta see the end. That is why one and a half, one and a quarter million dollars turns into almost $22 million that in literally yeah. May. May. If I release a movie in May, it better be like, X-Men, uh, you know, Marvel. Right. It needs to be a block. This came out in May. This made insane money. There was summer blockbusters didn't come out until July. You know, they were the Jaws was, and the things like that. Wasn't that the year? That was the year of uh, um, Raiders? Raiders, yeah. But I'm saying, but it's the summer, right? Yeah. There's no summer blockbusters in May. May now no, is no, summer blockbusters. Yeah. Yeah, summer blockbusters were summer. Because every, every major studio is coming out with right. something. Yeah. So you, gotta, you can't yeah. have more at the same exactly. time. Exactly. And that's what it is now. 
there, there was always the big release. You, you maybe put something out at Christmas if it was like a, a holiday movie. Right. But your re- big release, your your Star Wars, your Empire, your whatever, it's got to be July. It's a summer blockbuster, right? Jaws set the bar for this. The problem is this movie made so much money, yeah. so much money. There's the 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 whole entire thing. Paramount felt there was no way in the world they could redo what they did on Friday one, right? There's no way they can make the same kind of because Friday one is one of the most successful independent movies ever made. Halloween still has the record right. for adjusted gross income and what actually no, I take it back. Blair Witch Project still has the record. <clears throat> Blair Witch Project was made for like 87 cents and made literally hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, which makes no sense. But it does because right. at the time the internet was new and that's a whole other story, right? right? Yeah. But you look at the amount of money you're making, Paramount said there's no way you can make that money. Well, when you, Paramount says we'll give you one and, a, one and a quarter million to make this thing and you turn back with 22, Paramount goes, hey, you want to make another one? Yeah. You want to make another one? Because now until you don't make that money, you're always oh. making yeah. that money. A 20 times your in, your investment back? If I said to you now, I mean, you can't make a movie for one and a half million. One and a half million dollars is a short. That's a, that's a that's a 15 minute short now, basically, right? But at one and a half million dollars, if you said I could return back to you five million on that, that's a great investment. Yeah, yeah you know, kind of thing. This I mean, is as long as it, you've, you've covered all your expenses and, and the money's still flowing in. I mean, all the all the franchise, uh, you know, the themes, you know, the you know they all they all make money until they don't make them anymore. I mean that happened with even with Raiders when they got to the last one, and they're they, making another one. Yeah, well no, but no no when they got to the last no 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 I'm talking about the, the four not 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 the not not the one with the, uh, the no the Harrison Ford is making one. Currently. No, I know he is, but no, but that was only four. They the after well, when Crystal they, Skull made no did not no. make as much money as they were hoping because it cost too much. Yeah, but Raiders was a hit. Temple of Doom was insane. Right. Last Crusade made crazy money, but then they never made because they couldn't get because Harrison Ford became too big a star. Right. But then when they made Crystal Skull, it didn't do what they wanted to do. But they're still making a fifth one yeah. because there's still too much money on the table not to make it. Right. But the, but you know, the but the story is not going to revolve around Harrison Ford, other than maybe the, getting getting the, the premise going. But he's he's an old he's an old con. I understand. At this point. Yeah. So but, uh, but, no, but but if you go back to some of this, what keeps. You know the James Bond movies going because every one that they make, even though there were some bombs in the middle sections with yeah. the you know Roger Moore, Roger one. Moore, they still made hundreds of millions yeah, of because, dollars because they because okay, but also movie going has changed so drastically from the 60s, 70s, 80s. I mean, yeah. Now with the digital idea, of, the idea of watching a movie at home is so much nicer than going to a theater ever. But the thing is, when a James Bond movie is coming out, it wasn't. It says James Bond will be back in Goldfinger, Thanks. and you had to wait two years. And for two years, like man, I can't wait to see that movie. Man, I can't wait to see it. Your mind builds it up, and now Goldfinger turned out to yeah. be a classic or whatever. But if even if you had one that wasn't a classic, in your mind it built up to be this is going to yeah. be really good. And the thing is, the James, you can't even look at movies with, with Daniel Craig. Those movies don't even count in like the real James Bond world. And people can argue that what you want. These movies now are so far. So far from uh, the stuff we got with Connery, the stuff oh, we no, got yeah. with Roger Moore. Because Roger Moore was a lot of wink and smile and whatever. They were played more campy. And then Timothy Dalton movies, which, again, I love Timothy Dalton. Good, but, they, but they are. And Daniel Craig's movies are way yeah, harder. The, one, the, ones, the ones after Timmy Dalton. The, uh, Pierce uh, Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. Those they, were pretty good, too. Not, that's, but, those are my favorites. Those are my favorites of the of thing, with the exception of uh, Spectre and dude, Daniel Craig is still a really good James Bond. No, no, I'm not saying right. that, but his movie Daniel Craig as James Bond is not Sean Connery. He's not he's no, not like no, any no. other ones. He is like a cold blooded killer when he needs to be. And the problem was some people like their Bond because now movies have changed. We are in a world of John Wick Four is coming. Like we are in a right. world of this. Like you want these guys to be nonstop killers. You didn't want Sean Connery to be a nonstop killer. He's supposed to be a ladies' man in this, but he kills people as he has to, right? Roger Moore kills people by blowing their suits up and doing this. Like, but when that's why when Timothy Dalton became it, people were like, "I don't know about yeah, this." Yeah, got real cold, right? Got real cold because because he, yeah, because it, because it was the '80s, and you needed James Bond. First of all, Timothy Dalton's a very small person, uh, like yeah, stature-wise, compared to Schwarzenegger. And I mean, Stallone is not super tall, but Stallone is jacked out of his skull, yeah, right? Like five foot nine. Right, but he's but he's but he doesn't look like he's five yeah. nine. He looks like a monster, right? And so and Schwarzenegger is bigger than life. So your James Bond had to be 
the best killer in the world because he couldn't compete with the muscles, right? right? But that's what happened here with, and it happens here too with, with these movies. When when this when Friday the 13th, the original dropped, we had Halloween already, and Halloween is a different animal, right? You didn't have Nightmare on Elm Street yet. Nightmare on Elm Street didn't come out for a few more years, and that really kind of set this world on its ear. That movie is intelligent. It's Wes Craven. It's different. You got uh, April Fool's Day. You got My Bloody Valentine. You got Graduation Day. You got... And those movies started coming out because they said, what's a holiday we can do? Because Friday the 13th, they started right. making holiday ones. And when this movie came out, those ones ramped up beyond belief. There's a great documentary um, um, all about slasher. There's a couple. And there's one called uh, Nightmares in Red, White, and Blue, which talks about the, the, the uh, horror movie birth through America. And it's, it's, it's that. But then there's the one um, that it's all about the slasher movies. And they talk about, there's a book too. Um, but they talk about how you literally would time out the kills. A kill would have to happen every so many minutes. Right. And you have to have a naked girl. And, and this, we have to have this. And you have to have this. And you have to have this. And you had to have this character. And it became so formulaic. None of those formulas existed until this movie. Well, one, in part, and again, Friday 1, had, Friday 13th Part 1, has its parts to it that have been copied and done over. But Friday the 13th Part 2 is important because it establishes those pieces. What Friday the 13th Part 3, which we didn't get to yet, establishes is the iconic looks, the things that become the, tr the, the trademarks of that. We don't have the trademarks yet. We have the kills, body count. All those things could be redone. But there's no sequel. I shouldn't say, uh, the, my, my Bloody Valentine's one of the best ones that come out of the early this fight, right? There's no sequel. There's a remake which tells the story of the after, right? But it's not really a sequel. But it's a guy wearing a, a minor lens, mm -hmm. right? In, in, in The Burning, which is great, he's not wearing a mask. He's deformed, right? But there is no Burning 2. There is no whatever. So there is no graduation day two. There was prom night two, but that has nothing to do with prom night, right? But they knew they could cash in on these things. There was so much money to be made in cutting up teenagers yeah. in the most effective ways because who went to see it? The teenager. And it wasn't, see, the thing is people are like, oh, it's a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, masochistic guys going to see it. There are more girls see these movies. They love these movies because they can be scared, quote unquote, but it's not scary. Like this isn't The Exorcist. Like, this isn't Rosemary's Baby. Like, you're not going home cushioning your faith when you're done. You're like, oh, no, they all got cut up into pieces. And you're like, hey, it wasn't me. You know, and that's the joke. And what happens in here? The ones who have premarital sex, they die. The ones who do drugs, they die. It's a morality tale. Mm. They've been telling morality tales forever and a day in Grimm's Fairy Tales and whatever. And that's what they did. And by doing that, by showing the kids, hey, look, kids, those of you who are smoking pot, yeah, got guy dies. Those of you who are having sex, you're going to get killed. By them doing that, the kids are like, well, let's go see it anyway, because they love that. And that alone pushed this from a, I don't know if Paramount wants to do this, to a multi-billion dollar industry. Franchise, right. That's exactly yeah. what I'm saying, is that you just never know. A good example is the, is the Fast and Furious. You know, the first movie comes out. And it's really it's good. good. Yeah. They make the second one, and, it, and Tokyo Drift is, wow, okay. Why they made the third, I, again, I don't know. Well, I know why they but, made the third. But as soon as, as soon as the third one hit like crazy. Yeah. Well, then, then, okay, then, so the then, problem was Tokyo Drift, which is actually not a bad movie, but it doesn't fit with the Fast and Furious as well as no, the it's other only one. Got, it's only got the one guy. Right, but I'm saying, but it doesn't fit because yeah. they thought they were going to make like movies that bounced around and that the Fast and the Furious stuff was going to be – um, they were all going to be different places, but people connected so much. Vin Diesel was so hot at the time. Yeah. They had to get Vin Diesel back in another movie. So that's why they made Fast and Furious the third one. And once they had the, the that going, the fast cars, good looking mm -hmm. guys, good looking girls, it writes itself. That I mean, yeah. you know, that, that they literally are up to number nine right now, which is sweeping yeah. every, they, they said that they may, it's going to make the most money. Well, uh, Godzilla versus Kong finally hit $100 million for theater gross domestic for a movie that was on on HBO Max that a lot of people didn't go to. They said no, even hitting like they didn't think it was in at 50. It hit $100 million, uh, domestic in theater. Fast and the Furious opening weekend hit $100 million because it was right. only available in theaters. F9 was only in theaters. People like COVID, no COVID. I don't care. We got to go because they wanted to see this. And who's not in it? 
The Rock's not in it. Jason Statham's not in it. you got John Cena now in it. But what I'm saying is, it's not like you said, okay, Hobbs and Shaw 2, which is coming. Hobbs and Shaw made a ton of money. Right. Hobbs and Shaw 2 is going to make a ton of money. But those movies, the, the idea of a franchise did not exist. And people will argue, well, there was franchise. There were franchise movies. The James Bond. James Bond movies are a series of movies. Yeah. They're different in that they're not direct. Like, at the end of... But they're not related to each other. Right. But, I mean, it's the same character. But, yeah. and, and, yes, some characters repeat. But it's not like at the end of Goldfinger, like... He, he encounters uh, Blofeld at that moment, and then Blofeld is the you know it's not like it's not no. picking up exactly. Characters repeat the the Fast and Furious. Those again, it's a modern thing. Those characters are the same people over and over and over again. And what happened was Star Wars, and again Empire. Remember, so Star Wars is seventy seven. Empire, I mean that kind of established a world. That that's, if Star Wars doesn't hit the way Star Wars hits. I don't I mean something would have come along. And, and again, it's the inevitability of right. whatever it would have been. But Star Wars took what Jaws did and said, that's cute, dude. Watch what we can do. And Star Wars blew people away and then created the idea of, oh, my God, there's only three of them. Because remember, there for a long time, there was only three, three of them. And remember when Jedi was coming out, four or five years of like, oh, my God, when is this movie coming? Like people could not get enough of it because they were so – you know, yeah, it and, was insatiable, and, that, that's, and the reason was because of the technology. Yeah. When 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 Star Wars came out, you had never seen right anything like right. this on the screen. Your your rocket ships looked like they were being towed by yeah. by, by a kite string with puffs of smoke coming out of the back. Yeah, end. back in the day. Yeah, I mean, but so and and the characters and again, what they what he did with the characters by having hundreds of different characters, and then all the all the kids. One went to the movies, and then you had your three and a half inch. Oh, oh no, no, no! no the, the idea, the, 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 the that is an entire different series no. of podcasts just about how you make money, money off of Star Wars because that is the one thing you can do with Star Wars make money. What I'm saying though is those ideas, those things. It wasn't like not every movie had to become a series of movie. It had to become you know part two, three, four, five. The Friday Thirteenth really set this bar, and they set people up to make these things. Now every single movie, I don't care. What your your genre is, your first idea is let's make the first one, and we need a sequel. There's always an idea for a sequel. The sequel was not always a thing, right? right. I mean, you know, the sequel wasn't a thing. Like, okay, I mean, the Universal monsters would come back, but it wasn't like you know you had to. Have, I mean, the, the Frankenstein movies are probably the best example of those, but it wasn't like they were like, come out with make a Frankenstein tanked if whales Frankenstein tanked, which I can't imagine it would have not. But if it had never worked. You never would have gotten Bride. You never would have gotten Ghost. But those movies, they have a linear thing through them. Those are really, you know, kind of the idea that we would later see with these, with the horror franchise. Horror franchises, 100%, are designed for sequels. Wrong Turn, the original Wrong Turn, outstanding movie, never needed a sequel. It's got six, okay? And they're lesser, each one of them. And and again, they're direct-to-video and they're whatever. But when you start looking at the sequel... Never better, quote unquote, right? Because it's again that, that, that's the thing is the sequels that are better, and some people will argue that there are no sequels that are better, and there's people that will argue that Aliens is better than Alien, even though they're nothing like each other. Godfather two, God, yeah, Godfather Part two. But I'm saying if you want to make a sequel that's better than your original, you need to be. It's hard to be better, but you could be different, and that's where the Alien Aliens things come from. Whereas the Friday Thirteenth movies, they didn't have to be better, just up the kills, up the just kill. up the kills. Yeah, oh, yeah, the Saw movie is exactly the yeah, same well, way. All Saw is is this, Dad. Yeah. It's the difference is, is Saw is we're going to talk like this. And we're not going to have yeah. a guy walking around with a mask on. We're going to have some guy lying on, on, on a, a puppet on a bicycle. But why why did the Saw movies do that and the collector and the collection right. only get two and there's a third sequel coming? Those movies are, to me, I found the collector to be better than half the Saw movies because it's the psychological thing that whatever it might be in there. But it's just what hits. What were the two movies where they had the the uh, they were in Europe? The uh, well, okay, there's more than two. It's uh, Hostel. 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 The first one is not as good. Hostel two, two is uh, really hard to watch. I feel so bad for those girls. They do nothing wrong and they're taken advantage. In Hostel one, you're supposed to hate everybody, but those are kind of the in, in the torture porn world. Yeah. And those, but Eli yeah. Roth knew what he was doing. Right. That's what I'm saying. He, but, but, but yeah, I mean, he what he did was at that point instead of having a formulaic. Uh, you know, killer. They 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 told you a story, but there was killings throughout yes, it. Right. I mean, 
the torture, you, like you're right, it's called torture porn. But you never knew what the who, what was coming behind door number two or right. door number three. Right, but the three. thing was, but, and, and he took this to the next level. As much as you don't like the, the characters in these slasher movies, oh. you're not supposed to connect them, you hate Yes. You hate, hate, you're like, can you please kill these Americans, please? Right. I'm I'm annoyed that I'm American watching them in this movie. Can you please just slaughter them? And that's what Hostel was supposed to be about, which is why the second one is so hard, because those girls are not yeah. that. And then part three is atrocious, and whatever else might be coming around. The thing is, though, Friday the 13th, and again, I know we're getting a little parkfield, Friday the 13th part two, so important to the idea of the franchise. And... I know it's going to be a year before we watch Friday the 13th Part 3 when the 3D craze was going on. Jaws 3D came out or whatever. This is the 3D one. Yeah. And so I got to watch You got to watch 3. Uh, well, the only one you're going to get to skip is 5. 5 okay. five has nothing to do with the series. It's atrocious okay. and it's a waste of time. We'll probably watch The Burning that year and get to watch it. It's a Vini movie there. Right. But the idea, though, is uh, Part 2 was important. It set up the, the – established what it is. You knew Part 3 was coming because of what the timing – Jaws 3D, all the 3D movies, all those um, coming at you, whatever, all those 3D movies started coming. So you knew you were getting a 3D one, and they were like, what can we do with gags? And as soon as this movie wraps, they start thinking, how am I going to do the next gag in the next movie? What can I do? And the establishment of what it means. I I mean, some people, again, like I said, some people hate Friday the 13th. They hate these movies. They hate that they're existing, whatever. I myself have a tattoo of Jason Voorhees on right. my shoulder right. um, from part four, even though my favorite is from part seven. Uh, the idea, though, is that it is so important to the genre of horror in the overall scheme of the sequel, the whatever, the franchise, the, the being bigger, being bigger. That idea has to start somewhere. And these movies are where it starts. And again, you said you, you found this to be much more enjoyable than yeah. you thought it was going to be. Right. But for years, it was like, oh, those movies suck. I, those are horrible. But the reality is this movie is people will talk about, like, Test Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, my God, they're talking hushed tones and all this stuff. Test Chainsaw Massacre, I mean, it's hard to watch at times because you just know people are going to, like, actually getting really hurt and stuff like that. But, like, when you watch Test Chainsaw Massacre, was never supposed to have a sequel. Test Chainsaw Massacre 2 is a, it's it's insane. When, when, when Dennis Hopper is the most sane person in your movie, you got a problem, and he's nuts. Yeah. But then they make those movies, you watch some of them, you're like, was this ever supposed to be a series of movies? But they now have made, they made the originals, they made the remakes, they made remakes on the remakes, mm -hmm. and it's just because the property's worth something. Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Texting Some Massacre, Hellraiser. There's no Hellraiser no without this movie. And I know people will say, oh, they were. Hellraiser as a standalone movie is one thing. Hellraiser 2, which I think, I mean, I mean to me, uh, Hellraiser 2 is, Hellraiser is awesome. Hellraiser 2 is just so intense. The series of Hellraiser movies that people love. They love. Yeah. They love Pinhead. It's, it's, it's funny because when I, I can't watch the Hellraiser movies. I mean, it's, it's, for, for all the movies I watch, I, I can't watch them. But I can watch uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, yeah. Devil's Rejects, oh, yeah. and, 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 the, and the third one. Yeah. And love them. Yeah. Because the story continues. I mean, that, that's, that's one of my, my important things. I like a good story. Sure. And if you take me from A to B to C... Even though there's a million people die and yeah, yeah, yeah. people are getting ripped up, I enjoy yeah. it. And when you get to the the what was the the name? Who's the third one? The uh, oh, good lord, not yeah. the Holy Three. That's a different movie. Yeah. It's um, it'll come to me in a second. Yeah, yeah. But the, but that one that one ties all three of them in, and yet they still walk away, uh, which probably opens a Rob Zombie number four. But, well, no, he's but he probably won't do it. No, you know why? Because he's doing the monsters. I, he's doing the monsters. Mm -hmm. I cannot yeah. wait for the monsters. I'll tell you right now. A Rob Zombie. Rob monster. Zombie's monsters because he literally loves the monsters. So he's like, oh, I'll just you know do this and like that is really what you know part of it is is that it's going to be um, you know they're I mean it's it's all in, things are in the works and whatever. Anyway, so this movie actually was cut by forty eight seconds to get it from an X rating because remember there was no NC seventeen back then to uh -huh. an R and some of the cuts have been re put back in. The difference is. Um, the one cut that was made by the director, which to me is the most brilliant cut at all. At the very end, they're showing Pamela Voorhees' face. And they're showing her face. Now think about when we did Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. What does he do? He winks at the camera. And you're right. like, ugh. It takes you out of it, right? She's supposed to open smile at the camera. And they said, it looks stupid. Cut it. 
Best idea ever to cut that because you would have ruined. Right. You would have ruined. She would have been still alive. Because if somehow her head is still alive, right? You know, kind of thing. Um, the the problem is uh, there's no way in the world uh, three from hell. Oh, that's right. It's not 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 the unholy three. The unholy three mm-hmm. is with James Cat. Well, not James Cat. What's that? No, uh, with the Lon Chaney. Lon Chaney. Excuse me. Yeah, back in the day. So uh, you know, th- there's no way in the world that made sense. I I think I love that end of that movie. Uh, to just kind of focus on her head and then it fades out. I, I know I kind of, I mean, I pumped this up and said it, but the one thing I can guarantee you, and think about this, we talk about this all the time. The biggest sin a movie can commit is being boring, right? right. This movie wasn't boring. No. Now, is it kill a minute, you know, thrill ride like we get nowadays? No. But in 1981, this would have been like, whoa, right? That's the one thing you can count on in a slasher movie. Even the worst garbagey remake slasher movies. If they are not boring, I can sit through and watch them no problem. Right. They, I mean, they could have the cheesiest CGI effects and whatever. But if they're not boring, I'm willing to give you a chance. Right. Which is why huh? Sci-Fi Channel yeah. puts out those Spangoolie things. Oh, no, not Spangoolie. Oh, no. No, no, the, the Sharknado, Sharknado movies are never boring. They are never boring. They're silly and they're, 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 they're supposed to be silly. But they put out like Lavalantula and whatever. Like, and you're watching going, okay, this is nuts. But it's not boring, right? right. So well, don't I, be boring. Well, I tell you, this is one of our on our older podcasts, uh, the One Million BC. If it wasn't for Harryhausen's uh, creatures, the movie is boring. Yes, from that's beginning what, to end. That's what I'm saying. Is don't be boring. And one thing you can guarantee for those people who are like, I've never watched the Flash movie. I don't want to watch that. These are movies are stupid and they're misogynistic. Right. That's fine. They're not boring though. And to be honest with you, as you watch them, you will find as this series, and that's one of the keys. You will start finding that you laugh a lot during slasher movies, and people are like, well, you laugh because it's your tension. No, you're laughing because you're like, oh boy, I want to see how this guy gets it. Like this guy is annoying, and I cannot wait for him right. to take especially, a machete. Especially you know, the annoying guy. Oh my god! Yeah, and the thing is, they now overmake the annoying guy over annoying. But anyway. All right, folks, so that about does it for our, you know, again, it's this this summer. This is why we do the, you know, we go to camp every August, and this is why we're at yeah. Friday the 13th part. The next time you'll hear uh, Dad and I will be in September. Now, you're saying, Jay, what about the August episode? There's always one at the end. John LeMay is joining me for Dracula 1972 AD. Oh, very if good. If you thought that this, that, that we've covered some weird movies, I don't, if you haven't seen Dracula, 80 to 70, Dracula 1972 AD, it is a weird, weird movie. Uh, but it's the, we're going to, John LeMay and I are going to talk about that. But Dad and I are coming back for, and we just were talking about blockbusters, right? Blockbusters, these the, the most important thing. They want to make these movies. They make all this money. And Dino De Laurentiis thought he had the blockbuster. He thought he had, he had the thing. He thought, not 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 the thing as in John Carpenter well, he thing. Had the next Jaws. He had the next Jaws. This is going to, I'm going to outdo Jaws. Except he made King Kong. And, well, we'll get into it about it in September. But he he really thought he had the next Jaws. And the shame is, think about it. Jaws 75, Star Wars 77. What's in the middle? The the big, the, the, movie, the movie was supposed to be Kong. Kong 76. Now, for those who haven't watched Kong 76 in a while, the brand new Blu-ray is out. It is pristine. The one thing I can say about Kong 76, the Blu-ray is awesome. It is the best looking the movie's ever going to look. I can't help the acting or the uh, you know plot or anything else, but I can tell you this: the movie will never look better right. than on the Blu-ray. And the, the, you know, and all the production values are there. Yeah, uh, what I'm saying so is, but but, that, but the the special edition just uh, came out. It's it is so worth if if you're a fan of that movie and you and you haven't bought the the DVD, which is kind of not the greatest DVD ever because it was a bad release. I can say this: if you can get your hands on it for a reasonable price. That Blu-ray is well worth the money for what's on there. I'm going to have to watch that on a rainy day. Yeah. So, (laughs) all right, folks. So that about wraps it up for Friday the 13th, part two. We're done with camp for this summer. Um, We will be back next summer for part three because it's in 3D and we'll do all that. Um, So like we say around here, folks, keep those cards and letters coming and keep watching the skies. This is Tokyo. Once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which up until a few days ago was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. 
an unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman, or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. This has been an episode of Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. If you'd like to contact me, please email the show at botsbugsbabes at gmail.com. If you'd like to find me online, I'm on Facebook under my name, Jason Jacknetti. I often contribute to the Two True Freaks Facebook group. You can visit my Facebook page, The Art of Horror Collective, and you can search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective. On Instagram... Find me under my name, Jason Jacknetti, and search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective, as well as the new hashtag, Bots, Bugs, Babes Podcast. I'm the only one using them. I'm also on Twitter, at Jason Jacknetti, and you can visit my webpage at www.theartofhorrorcollective.wordpress.com. All movies, characters, stories, music, etc. are properties of their respective holders. This is a fan work, and any use of any property is purely for review, discussion, entertainment. So don't sue me. I ain't got anything anyway. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Will you stop?